and welcome to Comic Book Decalogue, the podcast on which we ask the same ten questions to a different cartoonist with each installment. My name is Greg. I'm recording this time from the great northern woods of Minnesota in tribute to this episode's guest, Maggie Umber. Her upcoming comic, Sound of Snow Falling, takes place in woods much like these. It's a book-length, wordless feat of cartooning that follows a pair of great horned owls across the seasons, making time for some of the other inhabitants of their environment, too. Goodness, what a book. It's unusual just on the face of it. Um, some of the first comparisons that come to mind, like Steve Bissett's Tyrant, still feel miles away, but it works, and is often quite lovely, full of these warm blue tones and a really effective mix of movement and stillness. It's the type of book in which you find something new each time you pick it up. Now, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, or if you've been playing it on the tcj.com site, but you'd like to make the jump and subscribe on iTunes, well... What's up? Hello? I'm Chris, the comics owl. Uh, well, hi. You recording a podcast? Yeah, are you familiar? Oh yeah, for being a listener. Like the two-parter. Well, th- you know, thank you. That's good to hear. Uh, people are often too bashful, I think, to go out of their way to compliment the podcast. So, you read comics then, too? Oh, yeah. I have to ask, is it a challenge, being an owl and following the form? The internet's made it a lot easier. As a bird especially, it's nice to not have to rely on the direct market. Is that a difficult balancing act, being a, a big comics reader and also having to build nests and stuff? Ooh, don't get me started. Well, I ask because finding a balance in your day-to-day is one of the things that comes up in the interview with Maggie, actually. It's, and it's definitely a concern of mine. You know, for me, one of the great challenges of adulthood is how do you deal with the irony that you know, the things that sustain you are often the things that you have to make the time for. You know, that you have small amounts of minute-by-minute time uh, for them relative to the other obligations in your life. You know, and I, and I expect I have it easier than most. You know, I work in a creative field. I don't have kids. But even so, it's a real thing, you know, how a person manages uh, when, for so many people, vocation and employment might feel worlds apart. You know, one exciting thing about this episode is the answer Maggie and her collaborators seem to have found is, you know, you throw yourself toward your passions with as little compromise as possible. Um, You know, and not everyone can, let's acknowledge, but even so, it's a wonderful thing. I know what you mean. I do wonder sometimes, if I didn't have to build that nest, would I? So far, I've managed to make it work. So what sort of stuff do you tend to read? Oh, it ranges. I really like Floyd Gaffords' comics, uh, Chris Ware, but mostly the stuff he was doing around the time of Quimby. Zach Sally's Sammy the Mouse, some fantasy stuff. Uh-huh. Mouse Guard. Right. So, a lot of mouse-related work. Exclusively, now that I think about it. Is it ever weird reading a story and knowing you'd eat the protagonist? I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, identification is a big thing. Oh, I'm into identification. I identify which one I'd eat first. (laughs) All right. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) If you're hearing this before April 2nd, 2D Clouds in the process of Kickstarter campaign, which includes Maggie's book. And uh, right now, please enjoy 10 Questions with Maggie Umber. Show, so well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. yeah. So I don't have to ask you then if you know how 
the format works. We I are... didn't answer all the questions on favor. That's fine. I won't, <laughs> that, I won't name I won't... names. But you're not the first. Yeah. yeah. Really? Because I thought, I was like, oh, it seems like everyone just like doesn't think about it ahead of time. They just do it. I'm like, wow. But they're all, it's questions that you know. But I'm glad that you aren't doing the Garfield question. Because I'm like, how would I, I don't know. It's <laughs> like, it's, it, I replaced it with something suitably dumb, I think, for number 10. No, I think it's good. Uh, we are here, for the listener, by the way, with Maggie Umber, the quiet thunder. Maggie Umber, she's known on the basketball court. I mean, start with a dumb joke, too. <laughs> um, our question, number one, is what's the last comic you finished reading? Can I do a two-parter? Sure. Okay, this is... So, um, I was going to talk about the... Guillermo del Toro has a show at the Minneapolis Institute of Arts that just opened today called At Home with Monsters up until May 28th. And uh, for comic book listeners, it's a really good show because, like, I went in there and I was just, like, screaming just because there's... I don't know if anyone... Like, some people probably realize this, but there's so many comics in there. Like, so many... I wrote on, like, a little... So I don't forget. But there's, like... I came around the corner and I was like, oh my god. Because there's original pages from, from Hell. And oh, like the Del Toro yes, you said, really? Yes, yes, there's two wow. pages. And I know you just had Eddie Campbell on, and mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's a good segue. But it's just like, oh my god. I love seeing original pages, so it was just like, oh. And then, um, like, I think there's like eight pages from Bernie Wrightson's Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know. I don't I know it's, I don't know why, but I just, like, I've seen those pages online. I've always wanted to see them in real life, and I was like, oh, I never will. And then I came around the corner, I was like, what? <laughs> like, no, I never thought I would see these. So that was really exciting. And then, because um, at some point I want to do, like, a Mary Shelley book or a book on with Frankenstein, and so. That would be awesome. So that was exciting. And then there's a lot of Mike Mignola, the Hellboy. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of Hellboy original pages in there. Um, one which even has a. Uh, like a portrait of Del Toro with Hellboy. Oh, wow. So it's kind of cute. And then, um, if you're a fan of Mobius, there's Mobius in there. And uh, Jim Woodring. And the, if you like, I'm so bad at the name pronunciation, but Geiger. Geiger sure, HR, yeah, Geiger. There's an original painting in there. So, I don't know. And there's a lot more comics in there, so I highly recommend it. Oh, there's Dave Cooper as well. Oh, Dave Cooper! There's a huge Dave Cooper painting! Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't... I don't know why I just didn't rain saw it in there. And he was like, uh, Dave Cooper. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the other part, um, the book that I'm reading right now, is Black History in Its Own Words by Ronald Wimberly. And so... Um, he of Prince of Cats, I think? Is that the, the breakout that, book? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And it was put up by Image Comics. And I just did, like... Well, since 2016, I've been doing Black History Month portraits. But I... I like I did uh, brush pen last year, mm-hmm. but then this year I wanted to go more all out, and I did like watercolor and and just try to do one for every single day, which almost killed me because it's I don't know I was trying to read a book on every person I did a painting of, wow. and so it was just a little nuts. But so then I heard about his like his book, and I was just like, what? <laughs> and it's so good. He's so good. Like. It's really hard to get likenesses, and so whenever anyone can do that, I'm just like, wow. And the book is just amazing, so I recommend, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Since you brought up the portraiture, how long in minutes or hours is one of those typically take you when you're doing it for a month straight? Uh, it's weird because I, 
I, it took, well, I'd never done watercolor portraits before. And so it was like, a, I was terrified. Like I'm going to fall on my face. I don't know what I'm doing, but it's weird. Cause like the longer I did them, the slower I got. I don't understand because at first it was like, oh, a couple hours. And by the end, it would like take me all day. And I was just like, I don't know. I need <laughs> to get three done today and I'm only going to get one done. But yeah. Now, this second question, I'll be interested in the answer because you are a part of the 2D cloud apparatus. So you're very much in the business of publishing uh, cartoonists on the fringe. But our second question is what cartoonist doesn't get enough praise? Oh, <laughs> I asked the particular person I'm going to mention if I could, if I could, I don't know. It's rain. I wanted to mention rain because I feel like most people don't maybe know he's a cartoonist or realize like how much work that he does. Like, cause like he's done stuff for like, um, good Minnesotan, like all the good Minnesotans. And he did like, he was in Jason T. Miles, know me too. And, like, Beard Growing Contest, he did, like, a mini-comic. So good! It's it's all about, like, three times, whatever. Yeah, but, like, he had... So he's done, like, his own projects. But then also, like... And he did the coloring for Lincoln for um, the covers, front and back covers for Noah Van Skyver's Lincoln book. I didn't know that. Yeah! No, I asked him. Because you did, um... Death of Elijah Lovejoy. Death of Elijah Lovejoy, the front and back covers. And that was, like, supposed to originally be in Lincoln. Yeah, it was yeah. it was a chapter that was excluded, and then we ended up printing it. And I think, yeah, then he was like, "Hey, Rain, could you color the covers?" So that's how that worked out. Yeah. But, yep. And then, but there's so many books that where you did the coloring, like yearbooks, that like, oh, like the coloring in that is so amazing, and like Mother Lover, like, just like you're such a great colorist, and I like. Oh, I hope that someday we can do a collaboration because you did the you did like Star of Maggie like my book you did the color the covers but if I could go back in time I wish you had colored insides too like yeah for the listener I should say Rain is of course in the room right now uh, every bit every He's just being quiet every bit the perfect picture of modesty not not nodding not He's nodding an affirmation with a single a single bit of praise here I'm just dying inside yeah, I feel so bad. It's hard to talk about this when you're, like, right there dying. Yeah. I don't know. And I just feel like, yeah, I remember one time we were talking, like, because I was reading, we have a copy of the, um, I think, did Jeet here write uh, that book about Francois Mouly? It's like a, it's a mm-hmm. tiny, tiny volume. Yeah, it's kind of a, and, unfortunate. Well, I mean, I want, and I maybe I'm, I just don't know, but I feel like, is that the only book on her? Because, like... It's just, like, it makes me crazy because it's such a slim volume. And fi- someone finally did a book on her, and there's an entire chapter that is devoted to Art Spiegelman. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. of a tiny book! And I'm like, could you just have a book about her? Like, I don't know. So it's like, I feel like a part like part of it, like a, t- a part of it is just like, I feel like comic book editors just get forgotten or ignored. And, like, like the work that Rain does... Like, just, sometimes I feel like comic book editors, people just think that for alternative cartoonists, like, there's no editing. And for at least with 2D Cloud, it varies a lot. Like, some of the books, it's just, like, not as much. But for, like, what I do, like, Rain is a collaborator. Like, we work together. Like, you do a lot on my books. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, it's, uh, like, I think it's important for the artist to have, like, final say. I just make suggestions and stuff, and then I do production. And it varies, because, like, some books are, production design is done by, like, Vincent Stahl, or, like, Will Dinsky, Blaze, yeah. um, Blaze Army, like, I don't know. But you have a, like, your vision, like, shapes the yeah. output of 2D Cloud. yeah. And I feel like that's the same way with, like, the comics landscape. Like, I think Rain has had a huge influence on, like, alternative comics since, like, we've been around. And sometimes I just think because we're really small and we're, like, really on the edge of publishing that his innovations get forgotten because a lot of people aren't familiar with 2D Cloud. And so, but I think a lot of other publishers are aware because they're friends and they're great people, but they're also paying attention to 2D Cloud and they're Mm -hmm. like the innovations that Rain does get brought into their publishing. And I think people think like, oh, they came up with this for some of the stuff that has come from 2D Cloud. It sort of gets cycled through and it just gets lost that it started here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. It's just, you do really cool stuff. I probably have a skewed advantage as well, being a, a Minneapolis <laughs> resident. I would like to think, I certainly from my yeah, admittedly skewed perspective, I think the your publisher's name has grown in recognition. I think it's become a shorthand of sorts for some varied but consistently bold types of books. Thank you. If they don't get it on the coasts, forget (laughs) them. Forget them. Question number three. What's the most widely loved comic you can't connect with? I, I I can't remember if this has been mentioned before, but I feel like it must have. But The Sculptor... Um, by Scott McCloud. I first when I first heard about that book, it was because of like how polarized everyone is about it. Because like it's like I I always remember hearing people like either they loved it or they hated it, and so I was like, okay, I have to go to the library and get this book and read it because I'm just so curious. Yeah, I feel bad like talking bad about another cartoonist. I'm like. And I just admire, like, understanding comics, making comics. Like, like that helped me learn the craft of making comics. And it's like, I owe a huge debt to him. But I just, I was like, man, he spent so many years making this. And it's, like, on so many, like, top lists and, like, make people cry. Like, I just, it just did not do it for me. It just felt like he was being too literal with the, um, like, he was, like, taking his lessons from making comics and understanding comics too literally and just like trying to make like it was just like a textbook like the motion was just too everything was just too overdone for me but but then I would talk to people that were just like but it was the greatest book so I like there's an audience for it like there's a lot of people that love it it just wasn't for me Mm -hmm. so and question number four you can send one comic back in time to yourself at age 14 what is that comic and why Junji Ito Jinji Ito? Oh, like, yeah, uh, The Spiral. I don't know. Like, I was, like, a hardcore goth girl when I was a teenager, and it's still there deep inside. But, like, oh, man, I would have loved those comp. Like, I mean, we have, we we got our copies from Sarah Moran, so it's, like, I think now it's a graphic novel form, but the, we have the one, at, we have the three books mm-hmm. um, with the color at the beginning. But, oh... I don't know, because back when I was, like, in middle school, I think that's when I was 14, I was, like, reading, uh, what was I reading? It was, like, 
I only had three, I think I had two comics. Like, I didn't grow up reading comics. So, and then I had friends that were reading comics. And so it was just like, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and like Vampire Hunter D was like, oh, that was like my a, life. Ideal comics in their way for the middle yeah. grade goth or middle yeah. school goth. <laughs> so I, and then it was like, uh, Sam Keith, um, the Max, mm-hmm. like anime cartoon. That was my only experience <laughs> of comics. And, and I didn't even own any of that. It was just like whenever I could borrow it. So, uh, yeah. But at the same time, like we had to write, we had this like thing you had to fill out in health class, like, what are like all these questions and it was like what are you gonna be when you grow up and i was like comic book artist but i'm like how did i know that when i didn't know anything about comics i it's really weird yeah but like after you get to your mary shelley your frankenstein book your take on sam keith's the max oh, yeah, yeah. i think has got to be next in line <laughs> oh, wow that'd be incredible wow, that would be cool to do i would enjoy that was there a sort of breakthrough book for you in your teen years then? Hmm, for comics? Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I read. I just didn't have... I mean, it was just like... I remember like begging my parents to take me to Schindler so I could buy my own copy of um, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. And then I borrowed it to a friend and he never gave it back. So it was just like... <laughs> that's my limited experience with owning a comic. Until... <laughs> I don't think I read comics again until when we were living in California. And there was... I, I didn't really even enjoy reading comics anymore. And so I read every single book that we had, and it was like, I love reading, and I can't stand not reading, and there was nothing left but comics. So I had to, like, read every single comic you had, and then I finally, like, learned how to sit and read comics, and I was like, oh, okay. And I don't remember which books, but yeah. Question number five now. What's a change you'd like to see across the comics industry? Oh... So this one, because I was trying to answer in a way that I hadn't heard people from previous podcasts mm-hmm. answer, because everybody was giving really good answers, and I agreed with all of them. But so mine is, I would like to see like more entrepreneurship in comics, because like I don't, I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of times people think like I came to comics to get away from like business stuff or money stuff. I don't know, and but it, to be fair, it's like a huge, it's a huge struggle. But I just. I, well, and I, for me, like, I really like entrepreneurship and, like, reading about, like, accounting and bookkeeping and, like, really weird stuff that probably most cartoonists would not enjoy. But I just think it just, like, helps. And marketing, like, I'm super fascinated with marketing. I think it just, like, makes you, it's important. Because it's, like, I feel like, why make a comic if you're not going to try to sell it? But I'm weird. Like, I'll, anywhere I go, I'm, like, always trying to sell my I was like, hey, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've always been that way. Whenever I make art, I always, try. I just don't want to make it unless I can sell it to someone. I feel like there was a question in that that I don't have in response uh, to your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I already forgot. I, was I, I mean, anyway. let me ask you a sort of a pointed question. Oh, sure. Then we are recording here in the 2D cloud office, which Maggie and Rain have been uh, gracious t- uh, enough to provide for this interview uh, amidst stacks of books uh literally hundreds or thousands uh you know there are uh, invoices stuck to whiteboards with magnets you know a a computer calculator fedex boxes um needless to say uh it seems like an endeavor that takes a tremendous amount of effort and upkeep have you found that it's work that's a given but that it's 
started to compete with your life as an artist? Have you been able to uh, reconcile those things? Um, it's hard. It really competes. Like, it's really hard. Because, like, when I was doing the Black History Month portraits, like, when I'm working on a project, everything goes to the wayside. So, like, the pile of mail just keeps getting higher. Like, I don't open mail when I'm working. Like, I don't... There's, I try to, like, push everything aside, and then that gets in the way of the business because I'm the one that's doing, like, all the bookkeeping and stuff, and so, like, it, the stress starts to build because I'm, like, the whole month I was, like, oh, man, all of the receipts I haven't entered yet, all of, like, I have to do all the artist payments. Like, there's so many things that are just, like, I need to deal with, and, like, yeah, it's really hard. But it's, like, it's, like, where would I be? And, like, as a cartoonist, like, on my own, like, without, like, 2D Cloud, like, I just feel like it's, like, it would be a lot harder for me to, like, be getting anywhere. So it's, like, I think it balances out. And question number six, uh, which can be a short answer. I think you've, you've gotten most of the way there. Uh, but what's the closest you've come to quitting cartoon? Exactly. Yeah, it feeds right into that. Like, I, I, there was a time where I, like, quit comics, basically. I don't know, like, I was like, oh, I'll be a toy designer. Like, I was like, I don't know, I got into, like, crocheting and knitting, like, um, toys that, like, you could, that, I don't know, there were, like, different pieces and you could pull apart, like, rocket ships and aliens and stuff, and, like, people were really into them, and, like, people were like, oh, man, you should, like, have factories build these, and I was like, oh, and it just, like, oh, man, it was, like, unbelievable, how much work I would put into them and then you could only sell them for so little because they were toys and they were mm-hmm. crocheted and and it was like man I can make so much more just like doing a painting like it was really frustrating and then um so then I like gave that up after a while and I just yeah and then I started doing a game design and game programming then Gamersgate like exploded and I was like oh man game is like ga- like game design and game programming is like so much harder than like textile like toy design, it's like, it's like takes up everything. Cause I was like design, I was like doing animation and like character design and like, like I was learning to program in seven different languages and it was just like, wow. it was like insane. And then to like realize like, I'm not welcome in the gaming community at all. Like they would just want to kill me. Like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not going to give up my life for people that don't even want me to exist. And I just didn't, I just didn't fit in with like the, like the plush toy community either and I just feel like you know what I actually kind of feel like the most comfortable with the comics community like Mm -hmm. after all so maybe I'll try that again yeah and then Rain was like wanted me to get more involved with 2D Cloud again and I was like yeah I think I'm ready I feel like I want to start doing that again question number seven what's the best advice you've heard about making comics Uh, before or after your hiatus I I'm not big on, like, listening to people and what they say. <laughs> like, like, oh, people say it was one thing and then do another thing. So I just, like, it's, like, what is, like, watching people, like, what they actually do. And so I, like, I'm, like, super into marketing. Like, I just think people, like, watching people market things is really interesting, especially, like, 2D Cloud artists. Like, I like watching how, like, they're, like, pushing their books and, like, like, Gina Winbrandt and, like, Mari Naomi and, like, Blaze Army and, like, Noah Van Skyver, I think are, like, my top four people for, like, watching. Because they're just, like, really innovative and really smart and they just, like, never give up. Like, they just, like, fight to get their books out there. They'll do, like, anything. Like, 
Like, Mari, like, driving was, like, what did she, like, fell when she was jogging and was, like, mm-hmm. she had, like, injured both her hands and she was still driving to go to, like, tour dates to, like, sign people's books. That is nuts. But she cares so much about selling her books. And, like, that's why they have huge audiences and their books sell out. And, like, I don't know. And, like, all the 2D Cloud cartoonists, like, they all have really interesting, like, ways of, like, building audience and, like, their social media personalities. I don't know. I also, uh, C. Spike Trotman fascinates me, and, like, I don't know very much about her, but I want to start, like, learning more about her, because she's, like, killing it. Like, when did she say she's, like, the biggest publisher of comics in Chicago? In Chicago, period. period. And, like, like, man, she does those Kickstarters, and she just gets, like, so much money. I'm just, like, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Is wanna... Iron Circus is yeah, the publisher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so she's someone else that I, like, really want to, like, pay more attention to. Yep. And question number eight. What's the worst decision you've made as a cartoonist? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a book. Because, like, I really like... Because, like, Startled Maggie was, like, a mini-comic. And it's weird because, like, I really like that book. And I always get random, like, super nice feedback about it. People will be like, man, you know, I really like that book. And I'm just like, what? Like, it would be so weird, like, years, like, not, like every couple of years, like, I'll just have someone say that they really liked it, but it's a hard sell, and I'm just like, it's just hard to sell, like, I'll show it to people, and they're just like, what is this? Because it's like, it looks like, the way it was printed, it was like, it was printed with the Lomano press, but it was printed by Clint, right? Yeah. 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 Um, Zach picked out the ink. This yeah. is Zach Sally? Yeah, yeah, and it was like, it was the Kim Deitch... He yeah. had just did the Kim Deitch Files, files. Yeah. and it was printed with this, like, silver ink, and it was, like, looks exact, because he wanted it to look like pencil, and it looks, like, when you open the book, it's, like, it, people have literally asked me, like, did you hand draw every copy? And I'm, like, no. <laughs> like, why would I do that? <laughs> it's printed. But, and Rain originally wanted to have it be a scratch and sniff cover, because I love cinnamon, and he was going to make it smell like hot tamales or, like, cinnamon or something, but yeah. it was... What was the deal? Oh, I, I biked to a printer to, it was like, and I got lost. I biked past like a, oh man, it's so insane. I like biked past like several lakes and I like got, got lo- like, I don't know, I ended up being there late and they did, uh, they showed me a two, uh, walk through of like the printing press, but, but I hadn't drank any water. And then, uh, they're like, oh, like the receptionist is like, oh, would you like some coffee? <laughs> And I was like, I'm just like impulsive. And I think it was at a time when I didn't drink coffee. So I was like dehydrated already. And I was just like, Yes. Yes, I would like some coffee. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know, I think it was like an hour there, and then I had to bike back, and that was like an hour. And I just like, because I was so decaffeinated uh, and dehydrated, I think I was about to faint while biking. Aww. And I just like remember feeling like uh, time sort of stopping, this weird absolute silence settling. Aww. And then uh, like, and then I, I got home, and I was just like, you know when you, uh, uh, you press like, a phone number, but you don't hit dial yet. I pressed nine one one because I was like, I was like, I think I'm dying. <laughs> and then, like, I like, I was like, because uh, I asked, I asked Maggie, I was like, uh, should I? Th- I think I'm, I'm dying. Should I call nine one one? She's like, you just need to drink water. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that National Turtle Day? Oh, was it? Yeah, you saw a tortoise. Oh, there. yeah, I did. I, I pet uh, the butt of a snapping turtle in the road. <laughs> the uh, yeah. But then we decided not to go with them because it was too expensive. Yeah, right? yeah, yep. Yeah, but it was, basically, it was, like, 
Rain wanted me to do a memoir book about myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, right. Cool. Because like, now I recall it being his idea, but he said it was mine. Because I was like, oh, I'll do it about when I was a baby. Yeah, but I was like, like so puzzled by that. <laughs> I was like... No one wants to read a memoir <laughs> yeah, about a yeah. baby. I was like, why would you start then? Like, I'm like... So... <laughs> I'm so... Now I'm like, I even wrote that it was your idea. You're like, I... it was not... I guess it was my idea. I don't know, but like it really confuses people. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's very interesting, but yeah, I I, I thought, it, yeah, I was so fascinated by your teen years. I still want to do volume two. Yeah, it was supposed to be a series. Yeah, but it was a failure. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's still my idea part two. Yeah. And if there's a spinoff in there somewhere about rain near death yeah. following a snapping turtle into the, into the lake, I don't know. <laughs> All right, question number nine. What work from another medium has influenced you the most? Oh, that one, that was, like, hard for me. Because, I don't know, it's weird because it's, like, influence is, is, like, hard to pin down. Because sometimes I think, like, am I, was I influenced by that? Or was I just drawn to that because it's, like, something that, I don't know. Oh, no, I, I, I think I know what you to, mean. Something that's innately in yeah. you that you have these creative impulses you've yeah. been living with. Yeah. Maybe before you even encountered it. Yeah. Then. So I'm not totally sure. But like I think my three main things are like silent comedy. I don't know. And I don't yeah, that's one where I'm just like not sure. But like Harpo from the Marx Brothers and then um Mr. Bean, which is I didn't realize I think that was, is a true influence because I always make noises and like I'm I like to be expressive and just make like fun noises or whatever and like do weird voices when I'm bored. And, like, I did that one day, and someone was like, oh, Mr. Bean. And I was like, what? Yeah, and I, like, saw, I was, like, re-watching Mr. Bean, and I was like, oh, my God, all the voices I do are from Mr. Bean. (laughs) And, like, how is that possible? I didn't know that. And so, I don't know. Yeah, I like silent, um, yeah, like, Lee Evans, Chaplin, Buster Keaton, and Fatty Arbuckle. Just, like, I like silent storytelling with humor. And then um, children's picture books are huge for me, because, like, my parents used to read those to me all the time. And then, from, like, the time I was, like, before I could read through, like, junior high, I was just always making children's picture books. Like, I wanted to be a children's author illustrator. And so, uh, yeah. Um, So that's probably my biggest influence, for sure, that Chris Van Allsburg is, like, always standing over me. Sure. It's really annoying, because it's, like... I don't think that's even, like, my natural style, but I can't get rid of the... I think I have a tendency sometimes to get too technical and to get too, like, photographic, and I think it comes from that old influence. And then also, uh, what's his name? Uh, Edward Gorey. I had, like, Edward Gorey kids of books when I was a kid, and, like, the mystery... um, The PBS mystery show, they have the animation at the beginning where the woman faints and, like... Yeah, like, I saw that over and over as a kid, so, yeah, and then just, like, fine art, like, Western painting and uh, Japanese prints are, like, huge. You mentioned a moment ago not necessarily being able to, you know, retrace the path of influence, and I wanted to ask you a question about how hard or easy you find it to, you know, retrace the path of inspiration or your own artistic intentions, uh... Uh, your new book, Sound of Snow Falling, and your previous book, Time Capsule, are both about wildlife and 
the natural world. Uh, Time Capsule in particular, uh, if I'm not reading too much into the name, I, I, I venture to say I'm not. There's the implication that a lot of this stuff is not going to be around forever. You know, with respect to something like climate change, you know, if we did have a window uh, to combat something like that, it would be now when, in fact, we have the world's worst people dialing back regulation upon regulation, uh, which, which is all just to say, this is not my soapbox, uh, but how, how political do you understand your own work to be? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, I feel really divided about it. Cause like, I'm always like, Oh man, I'm, I should be political. I'm not political at all. But then when I like think about what I do, I'm like, everything I do is political. It's just very understated. And like, I think because I just don't ever think about it and it's like not my intention. It's just like what I care about that. It doesn't seem political to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's I think it's super interesting that there's like, yeah, that your last that your current book, Seven Stone Falling and Time Castle, both uh, are all about yeah, the natural world, and there's no people in it. Yeah. I mean, outside of questions like my own, is are a lot or many or or any of the reactions you tend to see about your work politicized? No, I mean, I guess. Oh, well, it depends. Because I think a lot of times the people that do read my books and give me feedback, I think they feel similar to how I feel They're about probably things. on board with the message. But sometimes because of, like, how I love to show off my stuff and be like, hey, look at my book. Sometimes I show them to people that I'm like, oh, oh, maybe I shouldn't have, oh, they don't like this. Because um, one time I showed it to somebody, because I try to think of, like, oh, what's a catchphrase that will, like, make them, like, understand what this book is about. So I was like, I was like, oh, it's like, um... Because they were like, oh, sort of like Leonardo da Vinci. I was like, yeah, or Charles Darwin. And then they like immediately shut the book and gave it back to me. It's like, oh. they were done. I was like, oh, that was the wrong thing to say. And our final question, question number 10. Aliens have made contact with Earth. They seem benevolent, but we still want to make a good impression. You've been selected to introduce them to comics. What do you show them first? I think this is the question that I struggled with the longest. Because I was like, oh, man, what would I give them? And you can say your own book in this case. You know, the books that well, are mer- mercifully absent of people. Yeah, that's my ultimate. Because, like, like, I even thought of, like, this one book that I was like, oh, this would be perfect. Because it looks like it was written by aliens. And, like, it has, like, weird writing and stuff. And then I was like, yeah, this is great. And then I was like, oh, it's not a comic book. But the, <laughs> what was that So then I had to take that off. But then I was like, honestly... Like, obviously, I would just give them the whole 2D Cloud catalog. Like, that's the honest answer. Like, we would definitely, if we met aliens, it would just be like giving them books. And be like, hey, what do you think of this? <laughs> yeah. And our stuff would, I think aliens would love our stuff. It's so weird. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, Ryan's cookie sense. Yeah. It would be perfect. <laughs>